Big news, I've started a new podcast. Every Monday, I'll be releasing Mondays with Fig, which is basically a brain dump of my Football Index thoughts every single Monday, 15, 20, 25 minutes every Monday for Patreon subscribers. So if you head over to patreon.com forward slash FI guide, it's available to everyone subscribed to the £5 tier and above. And everyone has given me some great feedback so far. So do go check it out if you are interested. Here's the legal stuff from Football Index. FI is a gambling product available to customers in certain territories aged 18 or over. The content of this podcast has not been approved by Football Index, but they do listen to the show to keep me on my toes. Please remember to only gamble what you can afford to lose. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 172 on the latest Fitcast section. Me and Panda lost our minds talking about what's in the cupboard, what's in the fridge, etc. Go check that video, video, go check that podcast out if you haven't already checked it out. And I've recently been making more video content. So if you haven't already checked out my YouTube channel, just type in Football Index Guide on YouTube and go check out some of the videos that I've got out there. Today, I'm joined by Martin Grelia, uh, or, you know, I refer to him as Greels over on the Fig Discord. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, very good. Thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, doing better FI-wise recently as the market seems to pick up and people feel a lot more optimistic. But before we go into a lot of that, why don't you tell people a little bit about your, yourself, your background, and also your football index journey? Yeah, so I'm qualified accountant. Um, I, I started on football index in December 2018. I was first uh, introduced to it probably in around about 2016. I was on the train to uh, to cricket with a mate, uh, and he showed me it, but didn't really talk me through it. Didn't explain it or anything like that. Um, so. That was my first con- consciousness of it, but then um, it was around twenty. It was uh, December twenty eighteen that I got involved. I was at the darts um, with my mate, and he told me about it, and he explained it further. Um, and he was like, "Look, I think this is this will be good for you. Um, you're very analytical, and it's football, so two things that you do and that you enjoy." Um, and so, about a week later, I made my first deposit, um, and I've actually looked back through my history. My first purchase was actually a Bamiyang. Um, <laughs> As yeah. a Spurs fan, disgusting. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I think he, yeah, he, must have, <laughs> he must have had a good performance. He must day. have been on fire for you to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he was the first purchase, but I thought, yeah, I, bought, um, I put 500 quid in, and uh, they have the uh, 500 uh, cashback offer, um, and that's where I started. I first got the buzz probably around about a week, you know, just under a week later. Um, I remember it vividly. I sat outside Tesco Express and I'm watching it. And Paul Pogba's price, this is the time um, when, uh, probably around the time Mourinho left United. Um, but Pogba's price was literally ticking up by the penny. Um, I thought I need to deposit more money and buy Pogba. Um, and so that's what I did. And that's when I you know, really first got the buzz and... Um, I then took a watching brief and as deposit bonuses came, put more money in as I got more confident and yeah, it then went from there as like it does for a lot of a lot of traders, I think. Awesome. Yeah, I mean me and you have talked a lot on the Fig Discord, a lot on the phone, talking about loads of things, FI, you trying to teach me about how they account for things and, and all that kind of stuff. Um 
we've got some nice comments, miscellaneous questions from your pals, uh, former and current Discord members. Tom Fennell, after the unfortunate sacking of the, the extremely talented and tactically aware Frank Lampard, which Premier League manager will get the boot next? Yeah, so uh, I've had a look at the look at the markets on this. The bookies, you don't get too many uh, um, bookies that lose, do you? So uh, Steve Bruce is the favourite, um, and I think he's got to be right. He's up kind there. of lost his head, hasn't um, he? Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's <laughs> he's struggling a little bit, isn't he? Um, you know, Lampard lost his head uh, in the press conference quite uh, famously, didn't he? Uh, and that didn't you know, he didn't last too much longer. Uh, so yeah, look, Bruce Bruce is the one. I think um, I think Brighton will stick by Potter. I think Sheffield United will stick by um, Wilder, and I think uh, Fulham will stick by Parker. Yeah, they're the teams the teams that are down there. Um, West Brom have bought in Allardyce. Did they sack him before the end of the season? I doubt it. So yeah, Bruce would be the Bruce would be the one for me. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. Yeah, uh, we've got a question here from Fi Potter. I didn't know what's going on here, mate. But are you still playing cricket for Norwich? Are you hoping to be in the first or second coming season? You went and missed last season. Yeah, so um, I don't actually know who Fi Potter is. I now know um, which 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 club he plays for. Uh, he plays for plays for Dis. We're uh, in the same league, same league and league as us. We've played against each other a few times, and we've said that next season, you know, uh, up at Posic, which is where Norwich play, we will uh, have a chat about football index uh, when the time comes. Yeah. I am still playing cricket, but I didn't play cricket last season. Uh, about 15 months ago, I ruptured my patella tendon. Oh, man. Um, and I'm still, you know, 15 months later, I'm still rehabbing it. I can't can't run yet, and it's probably around about three months away. Um, but I'm able to walk and uh, get on the exercise bike and what have you. So that's why I didn't play last season. Um, I will be getting it back into the first team. Um, yeah, that's uh, I, I will play cricket and I will get back in the first team. So I think that's uh, yeah, that answers answers that one. It'll be good to catch up with uh, FI um, Potter next season when we play against each other. <laughs> oh man, FI here from the Fig Discord. How tall are you? And if you're as tall as you claim, why do you keep using that stool? What's this about? So many yeah, weird so, narratives that I've not really understood here, Martin. Yeah, so I'm in a uh, WhatsApp group with Old Man Fi and a few others. Um, and speaking of uh, the exercise bike, uh, for some reason, can't remember why I sent them a picture of my of my turbo trainer set up as I was about to do some exercise that evening. Um, and in the background, there's a stall next to the turbo trainer. Um, the lads latched onto this fact and uh, think that I need the stall to get onto the uh, onto my bike. Um, and as such, I'm a, they think I'm a dwarf, uh, but the stall is there for, um, uh, for my drink and for my phone and to be able to, uh, you know, change the resistance on the exercise bike, uh, or on the turbo trainer rather, uh, on the setup. Um, and so to answer old man's question, uh, I'm 179 centimeters or five foot 10 and a half, which fig, I think means that I tower over you, doesn't it? I, I'm actually, I think, I think I'm like 179 as well. That's the, the last official measurement I ever had was 179. Yeah. I might've shrunk, might've grown. Who knows? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Um, so yeah, old man, I fi that's that's how tall I am, mate. <laughs> and Jack the Ripper here, um, formerly Fi Stretches. I don't know what he's doing with that name, to be fair. It's a bit, it's a bit strange. Very smart guy. Uh, in the smart, in the spirit of the timeline at the moment, pump us your current favourite holds. 
Yeah, so this is a this is difficult. There's a lot of lot of good holds at the moment, isn't there? Uh, for for different reasons. Um, one of my personal favourites uh, picked him up recently is actually Raphael Varane. Ah, oh, um, interesting. I've picked him up at a 27p um, average price. Currently, I think price 45p at the moment. Rumours of the of the United transfer. Rumours that he wants to leave Madrid. Um, if that catches fire at all, then there's a lot of upside there and not much downside as far as I'm concerned. Um, Grealish has been fantastic this this, year, this season and I think he's one to hold uh, with the Euros in mind and a potential summer transfer, although I don't personally think he, he moves. Um, Cancelo uh, has been a favourite hold of mine. I picked him up uh, around about 10 days ago. Um, and have returned almost 100% are on him already. Um, he looks really good, doesn't then, he, Cancelo? Yeah. I was, was saying this in. to Panda yeah. on the podcast. He probably listened last night. I was like, yeah. he does this weird thing, doesn't he, Pep, where he buys someone, hates them for a season, then plays them loads the next season. They're really good. <laughs> yeah. And it, he's uh, he's really good for City's uh, tactics in terms of the uh, fullback who tucks into midfield and makes the extra midfielder. Uh and he he's done that really well well at City. He's got a lot of uh, attributes which are great for the index. Uh, you know, he put is putting a lot of crosses into the box because he's getting into midfield. He's getting a lot of um, passes, but then also he is along the back line. Um, he's there and available as an extra out for the centre backs Diaz and Stones. Um, so I like it. Like him, I've liked him a lot. Um, and then this last one. Uh, it's a bit of an injury trade, uh, very hot topic at the moment, I think. Um, uh, Kane, I think, uh, carries uh, value. I think in a, with the Euros in mind, we're in a thriving football index market, which I think we're all hoping it's going to become. I think he, you know, with his dividend uh, yield and performance so far this year, he can carry a £5 price tag quite comfortably. Um, and that's not even thinking about um, even thinking about the Euros uh, at the Euros. If if England have a good Euros, you know, and he performs well, you're talking about another twenty five thirty p in dividends on top of that. You know, if it goes well, um, and then you've got um, the topic which will come come up again, comes up every summer, uh, the transfer. And the reality is, if Spurs don't win something. Uh, in the next you know, season or two, uh, whether it's this summer or next summer, uh, he will want to leave. And all of the media um, that that will carry with that, his game has improved this year and it's become better for PB as he's been getting more involved. Um, so, yeah, look, I think they're, yeah, they're a few, few of my favourites uh, at the moment. Um, yeah. Nice one. Nice one. Nice little range there. Um, and well, listen, I suppose we'll get into a lot of things very soon, but just need to remind everyone this podcast is sponsored by Index Gain. They are data, community, and software all wrapped in one uh, mobile and desktop data tools powered by Opta, and you get price notifications straight to your phone, which is obviously really important in this day and age when prices are going up, down, up, down all the time. They also have a great portfolio management tool, which is pretty awesome. You should check out and a huge trading community for you to connect with. If you use the code FIG2021, you get five quid off your uh, subscription. And if you go for their six-month subscription, you get month free and five quid off, which is pretty decent. So 
I asked you what you want to talk about, Martin, when we were when we were kind of like planning the show, and you know, it was kind of what I talked to um, Football Index Futures about last week. Obviously, uh, this latest announcement is pretty interesting. But let's talk about in-play dividend removal first, because I think you uh, we were trading them quite uh, heavily, and I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that, and also how you feel about the market since. Yeah, so. I think with IPDs, uh, I did. Uh, w- there's a question on strategy, which I think we'll uh, touch on a little bit later. But when IPDs were doubled and we then moved into uh, firstly five times IPD and then into uh, the, with the full order book, um, they, as the market was uh, you know, crashing, especially when uh, they. When in November, when they reintroduced the uh, 900 VWAP with no um, uh, 1P floor, uh, it was a 1P floor change uh, that they did then. Um, yeah, prices into, into that uh, week in November, uh, I was selling up a lot of my portfolio, um, gambling on the fact that uh, it was the prices were going to do what I expected them to, and the negative pressure was going to cause prices to go down. So during that period, that's what I was doing. It freed up a lot of cash. Post um, yeah, 19th, 20th November, I then had a very specific uh, IPD strategy. And I around about 10% of my portfolio was focused on IPDs. Uh, you know, purely trading the IPD players, whether it was trading the spread on the IPD players because they were very liquid or trading them uh, and holding them for the yield. And you know, and they could could generate good yields. What what I actually found was with that, it was actually probably better to be trading them um, and trading the spread on them uh, because you could turn over quite comfortably in a week. You could turn a player over two three times for um, sort of anywhere between ten and twenty percent uh, on the spread, and so that actually became a better activity rather than just sitting and holding for the IPDs themselves. In terms of their removal, um, I think the process and the decision-making from FI in terms of their dividends and how they removed them was disappointing. You go back to go back to August, they doubled them. Uh, firstly, I don't think anyone would have, at that point in time, I don't think anyone would have been concerned if they didn't double them. And you know, if they hadn't doubled them then, we wouldn't have got into the situation that we got, got into with IPDs uh, at that, you know, under an order book system and the downward pressure and the refreshing that came with them and the fact that people refreshed them uh, you know, to take advantage of the IPDs. Um, then in September, obviously putting in five, five times IPDs um, now, I actually think this is better. Yeah, that was better for football index than people think it was. Um, what it did was it got a, made a lot of people place a lot of bets on IPD specific players, which um, massively increased their price. And with that, you think that price has gone up, and now they've removed them. Uh, those IPD players are unlikely to achieve. Um, that you know, win those dividends back in terms of the prices that people were paying for them. So even at the midpoint of um, between IPO and all-time high, you know the average that the shares have been bought for, uh, 
FI are likely to win on those on those bets. Uh, so I actually think the five times IPD was good for FI in that in that regard. Um, the impacts on the market, uh, not so much. Um, but then um, moving on, moving in, in, into the order books, uh, on the th- yeah, I thought uh, if FI knew they were moving IPDs on the 8th of January, I thought it was uh, reckless of them to talk about them as, as part of the yield when they sent out a, t- a tweet on uh, New Year's Eve saying these players have yielded... Um, this in PB, this in MB, and this in IPD. Um, knowing that they were, or well, I hope they knew that they were planning to get rid of them at that stage, um, although they may not have done. Mm. Um, that would be the, the did, kind assumption, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if they knew they were getting rid of them, I'd, yeah, that that is a process, that is a set, set of actions. Um, it's not clever for me in terms of how, uh, in terms of a long-term strategy um, with IPDs. Then you come to the actual announcement and what it was um, at 3 p.m. with no market suspension. Um, I got burnt a little bit. Uh, I picked a place I didn't intentionally, uh, you know, wouldn't have wanted to hold longer term. Um, had I known that uh, uh, IPDs were going, but I also got out of players because um, I was at, I was, uh, I caught the announcement fairly quickly. Uh, so doing it, but doing it at three o'clock, you know, most people at work, that's not if you want if you want to make fundamental changes to your dividend structure, which I fully accept uh, FI reserve the right to do that within 30 days, then you shouldn't be doing it at 3 p.m. Um yeah, that that's a massive yeah. And there's a question as to whether there should have been a market suspension. Um yeah, the pros and cons of the market suspension, you'd have just had the same thing if you had a market suspension, there would have been people who got burnt. Yeah, uh, six or one half a dozen, the other on on the market suspension. Um, in terms of that, in terms of dividends, from my perspective, I think that if FI are going to make changes to the dividend structure, they should look to do it once a year and stick to that. Uh, I think that's yeah, that's one of the things that hurt, that has hurt a lot of people. It's the fact that we were told they were here for a season. Um, and then at 30 days notice, they've crashed the price, well, the value of you know, maybe 500 players, 500 IPD specific players on the index. Um, so I traded them. I found you know, they uh, they were liquid. Now, you'd also, I think it's fair to question whether they should have been as liquid as they, they were. Um, if you compare them to the top end of the market at the time, uh, ultimately that was FI's uh, FI kind of sent us down that path with the introduction of order books without liquidity um, and without full depth, you know, or, or, or even twelve rungs of depth. Yeah, you know, without without that information, we could have been in a, we could have been in a very different place now with IPDs in place. If you had uh, market makers in place, and if you had uh, twelve rungs of debt, um, I liked them. I lo- I preferred uh, the action element, the goals and assist element. Uh, I, in terms of their replacement and M- MD- MDEs, match day uh, extra, which I, I'm not a fan of the name. Um, 
<laughs> but let's call them call them match MDEs rather than match extra. Um, I so I don't particularly I don't particularly care for them, and I, they're not going to change. Uh, they're, there's not going to change the way I trade. Um, mm. What it has done is it has brought the bet back to uh, the long term, and it has got rid of the um, perceived downward pressure, the downward pressure of the thirty day thirty day refresh. Was it perceived though? Wasn't it a reality that, that that's what was happening? So uh, the my, my counter to that would be uh, Bruno wasn't an IPD player. Um, why? What was calling it causing the downward pressure on Bruno's price? I mean, people were still recycling him though. Um, um, if if they so yes they, you, they you, may have been you buy him you buy him you get the IPDs and hope for PB and MD wins on the way. That's what people were doing, right? Surely. Uh, you get well, a free whack at the if you can refresh it, you know that that price. You get a free whack at the IPDs. You refresh your three year hold, and you get the MB and PB bonus. Like that's that's surely what was happening. That's what I think anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I understand that, and I understand that. Uh, understand that viewpoint. Uh, it comes. You take a step back and you look at that. Ultimately, that's traders just harming themselves. Um, yeah, but, for, but I guess that's for a you know in essence that's what we're talking about, right? For a an attempted bonus because ultimately, kind of at that level, IPDs are a bonus um, to win you know, to win back them you know, to win back more in IPDs than uh, you paid out in commissions, or to be able to trade the spread. Um, yeah, and trading the spread is is, is definitely possible. Uh, it, I never, I never looked at it at the higher price players, um, and uh, so f- in that regard, I actually. So here's here's my counter to that. I actually think that people, it was more that people knew that they could sell and buy lower, um, and that because people were prepared to exit the market and e- prepared to exit their hold rather than specifically for the IPDs. Hmm. Yeah, and, and so I, I- you could trade the spread on them. Yeah, I mean, I just think it was people just being like, "Look, if I can, if I can, if I can buy, if I can sell, then buy for a bit lower. I've got a free whack at uh, Mbappe, who might score five or six goals in a in a in a month, or uh, you know, whoever else, Bruno, Sancho, Haaland, Mbappe, Neymar, etc. Like, I, I think it was happening. Um, m- might not have happened with someone like Joshua Kimmich, I guess, who has been probably one of the most stable players on the platform. But um, I guess it's happened to it happened to them. But again, look, we're running out of time, and we don't want to talk about IPDs forever. <laughs> match day, match day, extra dividends. You're not a fan of the name as a concept. Is this a good start? They kind of tried to make it clear that this will be iterative. Uh, we'll get feedback. For, they'll get feedback from traders, etc. Do, do you think it will evolve into something that adds more value to a lot of players? We've got a question from Perry later about how it um, doesn't add enough value to, to, to too many players. Then we have the kind of supply and issuance changes. So the issuance of bets is, is going to change from the 20th of February. And we also had a rebate, which we'll probably talk least about. But let's talk about MDEs first. Yeah, so MDEs, um, it's, a, it's a start. What it what it has done, um, it, it has... Uh, moved back to the longer term um longer term side of things 
um, and the longer term bet, and and it's refocused us on the long term, and it's get take it has taken away a reason to sell, uh, you know, which is uh, taking away that reason to sell will help to uh, increase prices. Um, the value, uh, I don't see uh, a it being a significant amount and adding to the yield that we uh, will see on this these players. I think. Um, I think, and I'm quoting from memory here, but I think Kimmich uh, is the biggest winner from MDEs um, at 15p. Um, not 100% sure what time period that's over, um, but even you know at, at 15p, uh, you know that's not uh, not a massive amount in terms of uh, in terms of. A yield will it add up? It, it will add up over a career, and so it does add value to those players. Uh, for me, at the moment, it's not wide enough. Um, so for me, it's not wide enough, and it's not um, generous enough yet. Um, but actually, what it does is it focuses us back to the keys, you know, the fundamentals of the platform, back to the yields which are on offer from PB and MB. Um, so in that regard, I think it's a start, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's not something that I'm going to trade for, uh, it's, it, and it will only ever be an additional, uh, that, that gets added, uh, for hmm. me. How would you like it to see, how would you like to see it iterated? You've, you've kind of broadly mentioned you want it to be generous and, and broader, but what exactly would you do if you were them? Yeah, so in terms of uh, that, I, for me, uh, with the announcement, once they'd taken away IPDs, um, I wanted a widespread and for Football Index to have a predictability of payout and so for Football Index to be able to accurately model what it's going to cost them. It certainly achieved one in terms of predictability of the payout, uh, especially compared to... IPDs. So that for me was a tick in the box. The widespread, um, personally, uh, of, of the ideas that came in, came in beforehand, to spread this wider, uh, you're potentially looking at a team of the week per league or something like that. Um, that would then uh, spread it wider. Uh, and rather than having 20 players win, that would take it up to 55 players. Um, and spread it across a wider pool of players. The I suppose the counter to that is you are then uh, in certain weeks there will be players who have relatively low scores who are being uh, rewarded for that, and I understand that. Um, but for me, the it doesn't touch that many players, which was the other thing. The other thing that I wanted. Um, so that would be that would be potentially a way that I would iterate it. Have a you know, have a team of the week uh, for the five different leagues. It's a possibility. I'm trying to think about whether or not some sort of threshold dividend is still possible. Um, what if you had also something where a player gets to like a larger, like a season dividend where a player gets to like 500 points, 1,000 points, 1,500. I'm trying to, trying to think of something that adds to every single player on the platform. Um, but again, I'm kind of excited to see where they go with it. If it's kind of more, as long as it's, very iterative and more expansive and i think it like it really does drive trading because as you've said i don't think a lot of people are looking at this as any more as a bonus but that's how i play dividends started i guess and um, they became 
a very viable trading strategy at some point. So I'm hoping to see in the summer before the Euros that FI do do something to that area in particular. Yeah. Just on just a little bit more on the, on the announcement. I think the announcement's a good announcement for FI. Um, yeah, I, I, I very much believe that, and I think the you know, the market has reacted well to it, which uh, shows that the that us as traders are in general happy with it. Um, I find that I do find that really interesting um, because we have reacted very positively um to to it you know the the market has flown um and actually if some something good for fi in terms of their financials it's not so good for us um so that's a, that's a really interesting dynamic uh that we've reacted um reacted but also but also if something is really good for us and really not good for fi it's inadvertently not good for us yes yeah agree agree 100 percent um, so I, to what Football Next Future said last episode where he was like he was hoping for a middle of the road announcement where it was good for traders and good for FI as much as it could be like a 5, 6 out of 10 do you think they kind of nailed that? So personally I think they're, they're pretty close I think they're pretty close I guess um, and you judge you judge uh, actions on the outcomes don't you and the, the early outcome is a positive one. So in that regard, uh, early stages, early early reviews of it, you'd say you'd say they've hit it pretty pretty well. One other thing I want to touch on the announcement and this this does frustrate me about football index and football index Twitter, football index Facebook and the football index community. Um, the conspiracy theorists that come out and turn around and say, oh people you know, big accounts must have got wind of uh, of the announcement and what what was coming you know because x y and z happened because players prices started increasing yeah personally i don't believe uh that kind of thing um i don't believe that football index leak these announcements and um traders get first wind of them you know people talked about uh the ipd announcement the removal ipds being linked and said, "Oh, look, players' prices prices went down. Um, our big big people must have must have big big accounts must have known about it. But actually, the players' prices who went down at the time, it was the likes of uh, that day. You saw, I think it was Fernandez and uh, Messi and Sancho, uh, three that I remember. Prices being impacted neg- negatively. They're they're people who win from this announcement, you know, from the removal of IPDs. They don't lose from the removal of IPDs." Um, so that that's just something that I think is you know, is crazy out there. Mm. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think too many conspiracy theories, people with too much time on their hands. Um, we're going to talk about supply and issuance and link it to a question in a minute because I think we've only got 30 minutes left from here. <laughs> I haven't even asked a question. Uh, Perry FI says, uh, great guess. Data analysis shows MDE doesn't reward 90% of players in the index. Why do you think the implications are of this? Football question, who would make your five-a-side team from the Premier League this season? Uh, might have to skip that one. And then Greeky from the Discord, who's unfortunately got a year membership. Uh, I don't know. I can't really cancel it now, can I? Bearing in mind with the removal of IPDs was technically a dividend decrease where FI right to remove them. So a couple of questions there from those chaps. Yeah, so I'll touch on touch on Greeky's. Uh, first, I think this is fascinating how the market has reacted to a dividend decrease. Um, we don't know the exact numbers, but um, 
from the you know, from the maths that I've done, I, I think it's a decrease, a significant decrease, like for like, and a, a decrease overall. Um, but it you know it's fascinating that uh, as traders we've lapped it up. Um, that has been helped. What I think FI have done really well actually is how they have drip fed the announcements. Um, one of the things I was unhappy with when IPDs were removed was the lack of a um, a lack of a replacement. Now that I look back in hindsight, I can see that there was potentially a strategy to this. Firstly, the initial strategy um, of not delivering uh, the same uh, the same information. Uh, sorry, the new announcement on the same day because no matter how good it was, it would have uh, gone down like a lead balloon with the uh, removal of IPD. So I fully understood that. Um, but for me, I was then expecting it to come fairly quickly afterwards. However, a week later, we had the um, negative negative press, and I can imagine that FI potentially had wind of that. Um, and potentially, um, yeah, maybe looking at them, looking at them in a favourable light, um, but potentially held that back. Uh, and then you tie in the fact that after that, they've de- then delivered it a, a week after that, and knowing that they've got depth, they've got depth to deliver and the issuance information to deliver. So they've potentially held it back for very sensible reasons to deliver these. Uh, and actually, if they've done it intentionally, it looks like quite a level, quite a clever uh, move there. Were FI right to remove uh, IPDs? The market initially suggests they were. Um, how they've done it uh, wasn't correct. I think we, I think we've touched on that. Um, personally, I think they have a place, uh, and I do like them. I think they would have been better at one P. Um, I believe that uh, a mix going forward, uh, and this is something else that we'll potentially touch on. Um, they need they need trading um, in a future FI um, model. Uh, they need to be commissions driven. Uh, and so they need something that drives trading. It shouldn't overpower. And that's what IPDs arguably were doing. So early stages, uh, the reaction on Sado were probably uh, grudgingly, because I like them, uh, right to remove them. Um, in terms of not rewarding enough players on the index, this is, this is a, uh, a concern. Um, logically, this funnels money, uh, you know, the biggest piece of analysis that I've seen on this is that it rewards around about 300 players um, and so it doesn't reward around 90 players, 90% of players on the index. Um, the implications of this, this is going to funnel money into a smaller pool of players. Uh, that can be a positive because it will increase the liquidity in those players and that will help to uh, drive prices up. At some point, um, FI also will need to mint. Uh, at the moment, FI aren't generating enough uh, revenue from commissions. And that, well, sorry, I believe FI aren't generating enough uh, revenue from commissions alone uh, to sustain their cost base. So there is a, a need for FI to mint new shares. Um, if they are, if they have a smaller pool of players who are being rewarded from the dividend structure, that if they are minting more shares in those players, that will increase their liability. Um, what will be interesting is the modelling around that. Yeah, they've come up with this million pound uh, shares number in the issuance. Um, 
it's the modeling around so this is the this is the interesting bit isn't it i mean fi headhunter here says when do you think all a million shares of sancho will be sold and have you any ideas what that might mean for his price in the medium to long term what what's your take on this in, in general like there's been it's widely been perceived as positive yeah so well this is an interesting one actually um FI have given us more information. So I think they've given us more information um, since this uh, question was asked. So, uh, you know, I'm assuming they're going to mint, uh, they'll mint a max of 500 uh, shares in Sancho. Um, and so if uh, they've got 80,000 left to mint at the earliest, we could hit a million on Sancho if they minted 500 a day, um, is I think uh, late July. Um uh, based upon my based upon my based upon my calculations, what could this do to his price? So, this is um, this is the million dollar question, and I'm almost certainly uh, putting my head head up there to be shot at. So, <laughs> in the old structure, if they minted just from all time high uh, at every penny uh, to a million pounds, that would take his price to seventeen seventeen quid. Um, if you look at the fact that he won £2.75 of dividends uh, last year, I think, um, and you consider, if you only consider a 20% yield, um, sorry, if he won two seventy five last year, if he's moving to Man United, you consider that he can win £3 uh, this year. Uh, a 20% yield uh, means that he can carry a £15 price tag um, if you know, as a calculation method of his price, ignoring... Um, you know, not worrying about what he can win across the other uh, 14, 15 years of his career. Uh, if you're targeting a 20% yield uh, and you're going to get that at £3, you'd pay 15 quid. Um, minting to a million pounds uh, under the old structure is 17 quid. However, what this is what's really interesting about um, supply and issuance. Um, if they limit supply um, and people aren't selling, that could send his price anywhere. Yeah, you know, that could it could quite quite easily because of the supply and demand. If he's winning media every day because he's going to United because everyone wants him and no one's selling him, yeah, that that, that could and should send his price north of uh, north of twenty pounds. Um, yeah, but that's that is very much jam side up. Um, so I suppose as and when I think uh, the million uh, gets reached. Um, assuming he's going to United uh, sometime uh, late August, maybe. But yeah, that that that's all jam side up. Um, but it's all perfectly, it's perfectly plausible. What do you think on that one? I I don't think you're too like I I I am on your page in terms of the how this new issuance method will make prices act and i think off air we were kind of talking about how you know maybe objectively in and play dividend terms the 30-day cycle didn't make sense having another deadline etc and downward pressure meant meant that maybe it's for the better that it's gone but in terms of how, how FI mint, like when your mates get an FI and they're like oh i want to buy Kimmich and jao felix and you're like no no hold on hold on they're at their all-time high price. It's like, yeah, but why? I think they'll go higher. It's like, well, actually, FI are minting at that price. They're 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 selling you bets, and 
you either do one or two things, right? You either do what they've done, which is something quite radical and guess strange and, and something we'll have to get used to, or you get a crazy amount of liquidity in the platform, loads of market makers, and you make it so you can't even notice when FI are minting. Those were the two options. They obviously went for the short-term, rip the band-aid, revolutionize this thing approach. And I think it's going to be, I think it's pretty smart. I want to reserve judgment, but I can't help but feel quite positive about that, Martin. Um, the million shares thing, I think it's good from their perspective because they can, uh, they can, they know what their maximum liabilities are. The only thing I'm uncertain about is what that means for dividend increases in the future. Yeah, so this this comes yeah you know, this comes back to in terms of dividend uh, increases in the future. It comes back to FI becoming a sustainable um, model on uh, commissions alone. Uh, yeah, that's 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 where FI get, need to get to. FI need to mint uh, X number of bets per year at the moment um, to cover their cost base. Uh, I've got an idea of what that is. Um, based upon information that we've been told uh, and information that uh, you know, great people in the community have collated in terms of market cap growth and things like that. Um, so, and you know, we've, we've been told that uh, FI's stated objective is to pay around about a 20% yield uh, and we know what their marketing budget is. And then you look at their overhead costs and you come up with, you know, come up with a number of what they need to mint. To be able to um, pay out more than that, and therefore, you know, in, therefore increase the dividends that they pay out, they need to grow that number. And the two ways that they grow that number are by minting shares or by increasing their getting getting to a state whereby the market cap is high enough um, that they are generating enough uh, enough commissions on a daily basis. So. In the future, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see uh, a commissions increase um, at some point uh, on bid on bid and offer. Uh, that will almost certainly uh, come at some point uh, uh, because we will move away from a, a minting model with enough liquidity in the market uh, so that enough enough volume is being traded on a daily basis. Um, so. How do they increase dividends uh, in future? <laughs> kind of that's how you know they need to be a min minting enough new bets, um, and they need to uh, be generating enough trade, enough volume, and trading revenue. Uh, and to do that, you know, to increase the volumes and the trading revenue, they need to increase the market cap. To do that, they need to one bring in new customers, two bring in market makers. Uh, you know, three potentially bring in new territories, which is also linked to one by bringing in new customers. Well, I mean, some really great discussion there. Just before we move on to some more questions, I need to remind you that this episode is brought to you by The Athletic. There is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage. Awesome, awesome site. I love it. Um, and if you go over to theathletic.co.uk forward slash fig, you get 50% off your annual subscription. Costs you £2.49 a month. Have you bought anything recently for more than £2.49, Martin? Yeah, I have. My most uh, recent purchase, actually, was a pair of uh, knuckle protectors. Uh, I do a little bit of uh, boxing. I thought you were going to say knuckle dusters. <laughs> <laughs> knuckle dusters, no. I, uh, I was uh, like, oh, where are we going with this, mate? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I, I do a little bit of uh, white-collar boxing, um, and I've always uh, found my knuckles get sore. Um in the past, I've actually used uh, um, washing pads 
Uh, so you take the Brillo, like the, the sharp stuff off, and you, I've used those as extra protection. Um, but no, uh, I, I saw these uh, these knuckle protectors which go in you know, go inside your hand wraps, uh, and they were 20 quid. So, yeah, that's, that was the last thing that I uh, spent money on. Uh, it was two pound, more than £2.49. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, FI Charlie here, who's been asking a lot of questions recently. Thank you to him. Um, at the moment, broadly, you can get two Greenwoods for one Foden. Which would you rather have and just sit on and come back in three years' time? Yeah, so I think this is a great question. Uh, fantastic. I like this one as well. Yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I've I've looked at this uh, this morning, and so the prices have, have slightly slightly moved. There's so many so many different intangibles now as well with the uh, to consider with the uh, what we know about issuance now. Um, so one of the things that I looked at was Foden and Greenwood's respective all time highs. Um, and Greenwood's uh, all-time high I've got is uh, higher than higher than Foden's. Um, Foden's uh, dividends in the last twelve months are actually greater than Greenwood's at sixteen p versus eleven p. Um, Foden at the moment, as of when I looked at it, was five pounds and nine, and his uh, average price, his average offer price, was five pound ninety. Um, Greenwood was uh, three pound thirty one uh, versus an average offer price of five pound twenty two. So. All told, that told me that uh, that Greenwood had had greater room to grow into his price, um, and that you know that's a, that's a really really interesting thing there. However, Foden's PB game uh, is better. Um, I, you know, Foden has a for me has a clearer path to winning dividends in the next three years. Um, in that, at the moment, his game is better. For Greenwood to benefit from benefit from uh, PB, I think the matrix needs to change. Uh, I, do, I don't at the moment uh, at United. He's not necessarily uh, involved enough uh, in the build-up play. Uh, scores lots of goals. Fantastic finisher. His XG has reverted a little bit to uh, uh, to the norm uh, this year, uh, and you know it was fantastic last year. Uh, so, but his game uh, for PB purposes uh, requires um, a matrix change. The other thing to consider is the other players at United. Uh, you know, if Sancho comes in, that's another player that uh, becomes uh, competition for Greenwood. And yeah, they've got Diallo uh, Traore, who's uh, apparently looking very good in training. Uh, another player there uh, that's going to create uh, going to create the competition. So all of those things told, uh, I would actually go with go with Foden because I think he's a slightly safer bet. Um, I think Greenwood has a greater percentage opportunity, um, but I actually fall that there's a, there's more factors against Green Greenwood for me rather than the ability for him to grow into his price. So I think I'd fall down on the side of Foden. Pretty good answer there, I think. Um, Rob C, how have you been trading over the last few months and how has your strategy developed since order books were introduced? Yeah, uh, uh, another question that I like a lot, liked a lot actually. And um, uh, I've been fairly active um, throughout this period when, you know, I, I know uh, other people have become disengaged with the product. I have remained uh, in general enjoying the product, and so, which, which sounds a little bit crazy. Um but I've been I've been enjoying the product because I've uh, taken things into my own hands. I've taken my 
own destiny, destiny into my own hands and I've been proactive with it. That's made me feel feel better about what I've been doing. So previously, my uh, strategy before the books, I had a core portfolio primarily of um, PB winners and around about 70% of my portfolio at the time uh, was made up of uh, players that I considered having a good shot at winning PB. Um, previously, I had sort of 150 players and that, yeah, that was too many and that's something that I've been actively um, reducing down um, ever since November. Um, I am target, yeah, one of the things that I'm doing right now is I'm targeting this year a 50% uh, yield. Uh, at the start, of, at the turn of the year, in on the 1st of January, I set myself the target of 50% yield uh, on the current portfolio value. Um, so that yield will obviously change out now, but across uh, January, I've been uh, exceeding that uh, and hitting hitting that yield. Um, in terms of uh, moving through, as I mentioned in, I think as I mentioned maybe to you earlier um, before, before the call, uh, into the November announcement, uh, moving back, removing the 1P floor, um, I was selling as much as I could. Um, and through that period, uh, one of the things that I've done, you, you've touched on it as well, I would exit players who are nearing all-time high. Uh, I exited Roberts, Robertson, Felix uh, and Kimmich uh, because you've got the ceiling there. And there's there's opportunity for greater opportunity for growth elsewhere. Um, in terms of selling up those players into the November announcement, that saved me around about eight percent in losses. Um, I you know I sold them and rebought them lower. Um, you know I didn't buy all of the same players, and at that time I actually took around about ten percent um, of my funds and moved it into a specific IPD um, based fund, which I talked you know pot which I talked about. Round about the start of November, I became very active in trading the spreads on players. Uh, uh, I mentioned it with IPD players, but actually also there's a bunch of uh, decent premium players who had a sort of 10 to 15% spread. Uh, and that if you watch them and if you watch their spreads, um, you could pick them, pick them up early in the day um, or late in the evening uh, towards the bottom of their spread. Actually, you could sell them towards the top of their spread uh, the following day. Um, and so that was something uh, that I have recently been doing quite a lot of. Um, my strategy now, I've, you know, I remain, most of my portfolio, uh, I think, are PB winners and can win PB. Um, I have IPD players that I have exited or uh, I am aiming to exit. Um, the market, you know, where I came to with the IPD players and is that um, it's interesting because players score goals and the market still reacts despite the fact you're not winning anything from the IPD. Um, well, not not long-term, but you're, you're still winning. You can still win. Um, and you can trade. You can. I've been, you know, I traded down and I still have, you know, with these IPD players, I have traded down. I will sell. You know, I sell. I'll sell into a goal, um, and if if the opportunity is right, if I if I think there's a greater chance for growth in the future, because um, I'm seeing this happen, I'm seeing people buy off buy off goals still. Um, yeah, I potentially buy back at the bottom of the spread, and as it happens, the players that I've done that with, they've risen with the market, which we've seen. So I'm going to have a better opportunity to exit those players. Um, so going forwards, my strategy is very much core portfolio of uh, PB winners, div winners, 
Um, you know, players, I, you know, the ideal is the hybrid uh, who will win PB um, and MB. Um, I will see how the market settles and potentially look to continue spread, trading the spreads on the premium players. Um, bid and offer is going to be, you know, needs to come in and will be fantastic for that. Um, so, yeah, look, I think that's, uh, you know, that's pretty much what I've been doing. I was quite active uh, whilst others, I think, you know, haven't been. Um, and I've been tried to be as flexible as possible. Ollie Co here. Question uh, was supposed to go here. What would the potential Tuchel appointment mean for Chelsea tactics and personnel? Obviously, he asked before he was at yeah. Arts, but what do you think of um, So, obviously, we've got one game to go on now. 3-4-3, um, possession-based, interesting stuff. Uh there was a lot of involvement uh, from Ziyech uh, within that game. Um, he uh, put in a decent PB score. Kovacic touched the ball an enormous amount of times. Uh, you'd think that if they're playing a possession-based uh, game, Kovacic and Jorginho, um, if Jorginho is on penalties, uh, will benefit from that. If they, if he sticks with the 3-4-3, you'd also suggest that uh, wing-backs are going to benefit, whether that's uh, uh, Chilwell um, I don't personally don't see Alonso really challenging, and yeah, I still I think Chilwell's a better player and can play left wing back. Um, on the right hand side, a wing back system favours uh, uh, Reese James, although he obviously started. I think he started Hudson and Doy, um, and but they were putting a lot of crosses in, which was interesting because for me, uh, Giroud is the best striker in the air for them. Um, you know, when Spurs plays Chelsea, we were fortunate that uh, Abraham. Uh, can't head a ball, uh, to be perfectly honest. So if that, if that's where they're going, um, Giroud could potentially get a, get more minutes. Um, yeah, obviously early signs though. And a three-parter, I guess. Fi Gardner, great guess, Fig. Do you think Fi will ramp up its marketing anytime soon, or will they concentrate on improving the core product first? Div Mitchell says, do you feel Fi should really uh, be trying to expand to other countries such as Germany, as they mentioned, or focus on their marketing in the UK? Fi Restarter, what channels would you like to see Fi focus their marketing budget on, and where do you think would be the right time to increase activity? So a three-parter there. Yeah. So. Um... If I, have, if I have already started ramping up their marketing, I first noticed back in, they were back on TV, I think um, sometime in December. I can't remember if it was early, mid or late December, but they were back on TV. So I could actively see them uh, ramping up their marketing there. Uh, then I saw, you know, I was seeing them on the LED boards um, uh, watching TV. And so they're obviously active there. Um, and what's been really nice with that is in terms of that piece of marketing, the... Uh, absolute the, the goal for that is to literally you know, have a goal scored whilst your whilst your advert is flashing in the background and uh, FI have been fortunate to have that happen a few times uh, you know it gets replayed on TV and then it gets paid on match of the day etc 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 so it can become a very uh, visible marketing activity and I can understand why they did it very obvious in the FA Cup that if you watched any uh, lower league side. FI was strategic. Every game that I watched, FI was strategically placed at the perfect cam camera angle behind the goal, next to literally next to the goalpost. So whichever camera angle, either end of the pitch, uh, they were very strategically placed there. That was noticeable. Um, I've also seen them on Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, so I, as far as I'm concerned, they've started ramping up their um, marketing activity. 
um, alongside concentrating on um, improving the core product. I think they're doing both hand in hand. Um, before we actually had this improvement, um, in theory, if we had enough new users come in and start, you know, understood the, you know, understood the product, uh, looked at the yields on offer, they could have started to, you know, that influx of new money could have started to lift the market on its own. Um, not massive, massive amounts. And the reality is it takes a little bit of time for people to get up to speed, I suppose. Um, but, you know, it, I think it's important they've done both hand in hand. Um, in terms of expansion into other com- uh, countries, personally, this is a long-term, it's got to be a long-term strategic goal. I understand that. Um, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if part of the funds that they raised from their um, share, recent share issue um, uh, was related to that, um, as related to uh, expanding into other countries. I don't particularly want to see them, um, one, put themselves at uh, financial risk uh, by over-expanding uh, and looking to grow into another market. Um, but I also understand whether you know, that might have been a, a term related, you know, an, a part of the sell in terms of the additional investment that they got. But personally, I'd say no, they shouldn't be trying to expand into other com- countries um, with UK-focused money, um, but I think there's probably money there to be able to do it. In terms of what channels, um, we've kind of touched on it. Um, I don't know what has the best reaction for FI. I'd, I'd want to see that data to say specifically. In my industry, the industry that I work in, we don't get a huge response uh, from TV. Um, and our biggest uh, direct response is PPC, uh, pay, uh, internet uh, search pay per click. Um, but I don't, yeah, you know, I don't know um, what that looks like for FI. It is noticeable that other companies bid bid on uh, FI search terms, um, which would, uh, to me, suggest that FI probably potentially aren't doing that much uh, bidding, and they you know, they get a better response from from other channels. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for joining me, mate. Where can people find out more about you? Where do you usually hang out? Yes, I want you. As you mentioned, I'm in the, uh, in the Discord or on Twitter. I think my Twitter handle is uh, at Martin uh, Grillo. I think it's at Martin Grillo, one word. Um, you'll, you'll tag it in the, in the release of this as well, won't you? So yeah no no <laughs> fuck that um <laughs> thank you so much for joining me it was a pleasure i'm gutted we only had an hour we could have honestly gone for for ages so sorry for everyone that we didn't get to answer a question i uh, appreciate there was loads but we couldn't get through all of them on uh this time restriction my fault sorry about that um and uh if you guys are commuting stay safe if you're not commuting doing whatever you're doing have a great day hope you enjoyed listening and we'll have more football in the next podcast for you next week <laughs>